This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for instant analysis here on the Bama Online podcast. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you following the Alabama Crimson Tide's harrowing 24-20 win over the Texas A&M Aggies Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. What about these Texas teams so far this season? Two wins over Texas and Texas A&M by a combined five points. Alabama gets it done Saturday night despite being without reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Bryce Young will get into the play of Jalen Milrow, obviously, Uh, It was helter-skelter. I think we could all agree. Jalen did some good things. Jalen did some not-so-good things, especially in the way of ball security, losing a couple of fumbles, throwing an interception, had a couple of other passes that could have been intercepted, quite frankly. But Alabama lives to see another day and sets up a huge matchup with Tennessee in Knoxville. Next Saturday afternoon on CBS, the Vols might be touching the top five by the time the polls come out on Sunday. So we'll see how that sets up, but we're going to talk Alabama, Texas A&M here with you. A&M with a quarterback situation of its own, as we outlined throughout the week, would it be Haynes King? It sounded more and more like Max Johnson wasn't going to be able to go with that hand injury of his own. So you had a shoulder injury for Bryce, a hand injury for Max Johnson, you had Anaya Smith out at the wide receiver position for Texas A&M. So even with Bryce out, you felt good about the situation. This was an Alabama team looking to return the favor after the loss in College Station a year ago. This was an Alabama team playing in front of an amped capacity crowd at Bryant-Denny Stadium, an anticipated matchup. And maybe that had some of, of an effect on Jalen. You know, maybe Jalen was too ramped up. It's a difference. Sometimes when you're thrust into action and you don't have time to think, like was the case with Jalen at Arkansas a week ago, sometimes that can work to a player's benefit. And then when you go the entire ensuing week knowing you're the guy, that's when some things can start to settle in and the anxiety can get into play a little bit more. And I wouldn't be surprised. It looked like Jalen wasn't as comfortable, put it that way. And that's not to discredit the Texas A&M defense because that's a very talented roster, as we know. And as we outlined at BamaOnline.com throughout the week with three matchups for this game and the five predictions on Friday, on the defensive side of the ball, a lot of youth on that defensive line for Texas A&M, but also in the middle of the field with an emphasis on those safety positions and really the secondary in general, a capable group. But a lot of it, Jalen showing his inexperience. Um, I, I thought both in terms of trying to get the ball where it needed to go at times, just game situational stuff, taking some sacks like the one he took there in the third quarter, It wasn't that he took a sack on third and two. It was that 
in the process, he retreated like another seven or eight yards. So it turned what would have been maybe, say, a 36-yard field goal into a 47-yard field goal. And I thought the kick by Will Reichard, and it was just one of those nights. When Will Reichard's missing multiple field goals, you know it's that kind of night. Um, I thought the kick was pretty much left from the start. So I don't know how much the difference in yardage would have made on that miss uh, for Will Reichard. Uh, but it was just the, the situation and how it played out with Jalen that just told you maybe in terms of his mental framework, he wasn't where he needed to be there. And you saw Nick Saban kind of remind him of that as he came off the field. But again, you know, you think about Milrose's performance and with quarterbacks, it's it's either great or it's there's not much in between, it doesn't seem like. But Milrose still threw for three touchdowns. He still rushed for 83 yards. So there were some good, good things. Uh, Alabama throwing for 111 yards. That's not what you're used to seeing. But, you know, Alabama only attempted 19 passes in the game. So from a rushing perspective, really liked what you saw once again from Jameer Gibbs. 21 carries, 154 yards, a long of 37. Jalen had the 83 rushing yards. So between those two guys... Similar to what you saw in Fayetteville last week, you had you know a, a big, big day on the ground. 237 combined yards for them. Jace McClellan, 10 carries, 32 yards, a long of eight. He had the fumble himself. So, you know, Alabama finishes the game minus three in turnover margin. And I don't care who you are. You typically don't survive games in which you're more than minus two. In fact, if you go back to the last time Alabama was more than minus two in turnover margin in a game, you have to go back to 2015 Ole Miss in Tuscaloosa. And you know what happened in that game, right? Ole Miss got the win for the second straight season in the series. So that's the outcome you can kind of expect when you're more than minus two in turnover margin. And we talk about Will Reichard missing two field goals in the game. And the 35-yarder, there in the fourth quarter, that was essentially a game-ender because that would have put Alabama up 27-17. And with a 10-point lead there, uh, you feel a little bit better, a great deal better, I would say. And even in that scenario, you know, the potential was there for Texas A&M on the last play of the game to still be taking a shot to either tie the game or maybe go for two if they get in there in a 27-26 game if it had played out that way. But uh, very much an up-and-down performance for the Alabama offense. Didn't anticipate a big game from the passing attack, and it played out that way. Jermaine Burton, three catches, 48 yards. Uh, he did have the cut touchdown grab after the catch. He breaks a tackle there on the RPO action and uh, gets into the end zone. Ja'Cory Brooks, uh, two catches, 44 yards. Had a nice blitz beater there. Uh, Bill O'Brien had a nice play call on that. A&M Blitz, where uh, Jalen was able to hit Ja'Cory crossing there, and he did the rest of it after the catch. And then the first half, Cameron Latou, uh, his only catch of the game goes for a 10-yard touchdown reception. And that proved to be Alabama's only red zone conversion of the game. Just three red zone trips for Alabama on Saturday night. Two of those, they came up empty. Alabama was 23 of 25 converting red zone chances into points in the first five games of the season, just one of three. So had as many empty red zone trips on 
Saturday night as Alabama had had in its first five games combined. And, you know, you talk about this Alabama defense, and it was better in the second half where the red zone is concerned, thankfully, right? Forced a couple of red zone field goals and then was able to hang on there late. I don't know. By Alabama standards, I don't know exactly if that was a stop. You had the penalty there late against Brian Branch for pass interference in the end zone. Uh, It looked more like a hold, but I guess since it happened while the ball was in the air, it it can be deciphered and called as pass interference. But Brian was great otherwise. Nine total tackles, two tackles for loss, a couple of pass breakups. It was really a similar performance to what he had a year ago in College Station where he played well throughout that game, but then Anaya Smith got him on the slot fade to tie the game late there um, in College Station. It was a busy night for Terry and Arnold. Uh, the second-year DB, eight tackles, four of those solos. He did have an interception. He did have a pass breakup. He did give up completions of 43 and 23 yards to Evan Stewart. And that last one there – Late, it looked like he had the interception. It looked like uh, two guys for Alabama might have had a pick there, but Stewart made a hell of a play on the ball, went up and over uh, Tarion. Tarion, a basketball player, he's not going to like that. As a basketball player, I'm going to guess Tarion Arnold didn't like uh, losing out on that offensive rebound, essentially, to Evan Stewart. But very active night for Tarion Arnold, and you know what? It's going to be a very active Saturday next week in Knoxville because Tennessee loves to throw the football down the field, love to spread the field and take shots. So not as much action on the other side for cool, for Kool-Aid McKinstry, just two tackles wasn't challenged nearly as much as Arnold Uh, DeMarco Hellams with a solid game, seven total tackles. Six of those were solos. Uh, He also had a pass breakup. Uh, Henry Toa Toa with six tackles. Byron Young, a really good game on the defensive line with six tackles. And you saw some hands and passing lanes up front, something we really hadn't seen in the first five games of the season. Byron had one of those. Uh, Jaheim Otis had one of those. So good to see the big guys getting some hands and some passing lanes as well. And so Deontay Lawson, of course, gets the start at weak side linebacker because as we learned post-game from Nick Saban, Jalen Moody out with a bruised kidney, Jordan Battle with three tackles. You know, we wondered going into the game, what will Anderson's effectiveness level be? We figured it would be high, especially after he did not have a tackle for loss in the loss to Texas A&M last season. Well, Will did have a tackle for loss there with about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, but it was the eight quarterback hurries that just jumped off the page. And so when you talk about quarterback hurry performances in Alabama football history, that's up there with the late, great uh, Derek Thomas, which, you know, statistically back in DT's day, uh, these weren't as official like quarterback hurries, even sacks back in DT's day on, on the college level. So, um, Will was certainly impactful in the game. I thought the Cheetah package had its moments. It was interesting late in the game when A&M's on that final drive. I I expected Pete Golding just to bring five on pretty much a snap-by-snap basis. And it was a little bit of that, but not overly blitz-happy. You know, you've got Braswell in there. You've got Will Anderson in there. You've got Dallas Turner in there. And you think, look, 
these guys ought to be able to get home. And while they didn't always get home, uh, there's no doubt, 14 quarterback hurries, they were certainly in the neighborhood. And of that total, of those 14 quarterback hurries, 12 of those came from Anderson, Braswell, and Dallas Turner. So you look at this game also, special teams you knew was going to be a big part of things. You wondered about kickoff coverage for Alabama because Devon A-Chain had taken one back 96 yards in that win over Alabama a year ago. Alabama kicked it to him once on Saturday night and did a good job limiting him uh, there on the opening kickoff, I guess it was, to a 13-yard return. Jalen Preston also returned a couple of kicks because Alabama, I think, wisely opted to kick the ball to Preston instead of A-Chain. Uh, two returns for 32 yards, 16-yard average. And you know, there was a moment there in the first half. You had the touchdown. Uh, I think it was Latou's touchdown maybe. Or maybe no, it was. It, I think it was Burton's catch and run for a touchdown, and then you had the unsportsmanlike conduct on J.C. Latham that was put on the kickoff. So Riker kicks off from the twenty, but Alabama does a very nice job in coverage in keeping Preston to about the thirty yard line. Punt returns for Kool Aid McKinstry, not a factor for the first time in a while. Kool Aid just one return for minus two yards. Jameer Gibbs on kickoff returns. Uh, one for 19. James Burnup, solid throughout the game, I thought. Four punts, averaged just under 42 per punt. Two of his were downed inside the AM 20 yard line. But the biggest surprise of the night had to be Will Reichert. And understanding 47 yards is not a chip shot. And he had made a 50 yarder earlier in the game. So don't forget that either. You know, a 54 Will Reichert that was absolutely perfect. He hammered that kick there uh in the late in the second quarter uh but he misses from 47 in the third the biggest surprise was the miss from 35 in the fourth because everything looked really good snap uh from Nealon Hibbett hold from Burnup just the kick stayed out a little right on Will and uh that's the first time Will's missed multiple field goals in a game since his very first game at Alabama he missed two against Duke Went 0 for 2 against Duke back in 2019 in that opener in Atlanta. And we hadn't seen that from him as far as multiple misses again until Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. So Alabama gets it done. It didn't feel like it maybe at times, especially down the finish. Uh, Alabama on third downs in the game, just 5 of 14, came up a yard short of 400 total yards. Plays were very close, 72 total plays for Texas A&M in the game, 70 plays for the Crimson Tide. Key players in this game that we spotlighted and highlighted throughout the week, uh, Devon A-Chain at the running back position, again, in addition to the return game, for the Aggies, Devon A-Chain, 16 carries, 62 yards. He had a long run of 15. That is a stat line you can live with if you're Pete Golding. And then when you combine it with the fact he caught four balls for just five yards, um, 20 offensive touches for 67 scrimmage yards for Devon A-Chain, that's certainly uh, an acceptable total uh, if you're the Alabama defense. Again, where you were hurt, was Evan Stewart. And you knew this guy was very talented because you knew Alabama had been very involved with him or at least involved with him in the recruiting process. 
a five-star prospect, and, and he certainly looked like it. He was targeted 18 times, which tells you how many times Terry and Arnold was in coverage because it seemed like most of those targets, it was Terry and Arnold who was in coverage for Alabama. But Evan Stewart, eight catches, 106, had that long of 43 that we talked about. Moose Muhammad, the third, eight, uh, excuse me, six catches for 64. Um, you know, and you still had some penalty issues for Alabama. And we, you know, we talk about uh, the end of the game with Branch and the pass interference. Well, you know, you had a holding penalty on Tarion. You had a face mask penalty on Tarion. Um, you know, you had a couple of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. The one on Latham, and then you know, it was it was tough because you know, Burton had taken a couple of shoves from Denver Harris into the sideline on the A&M side of the field. And, of course, when he goes to give it back, he gets flagged for it. The, the problem for Jermaine was he was giving it back while an A&M staffer had jumped between himself, had jumped between Jermaine and Harris. So it just it just amplified the look. And you know the flag uh, is coming when, when that's the case. So we heard from Nick Saban postgame. You know, we'll see what this next week brings us. Heard from him on the CBS broadcast. He alluded to the possibility of getting the quarterback back, not a quarterback, the quarterback in Bryce Young. And, you know, I think we all already knew this in in watching Bryce over the course of 20 starts these last two seasons that no one raises the play of everyone around him like Bryce Young on this football team. And that's not a knock on Jalen Milrow. I think in some ways you could say the people around Jalen Milrow on Saturday night didn't help elevate Jalen's play. And not just on the offensive side of the ball. There were opportunities on defense in the first half. Yes, Jalen made some mistakes that you simply cannot make. But for this defense to be considered what we all think it can be, you got to get some stops and force some field goals. Alabama wasn't able to do that in the first half. But again, the second half, that was the case. It was better in that regard. Um, but, you know, special teams. You, know, you just don't anticipate Will Reichard missing multiple field goals. It doesn't mean that uh, it can happen, and it doesn't mean that it'll be an issue. So all this gnashing of teeth and angst that will now resurface about Alabama kickers, let's just – Let's just tap the brakes a little bit. I know he missed one last week, too. Um, but, you know, that was 53 yards on the road. Now, that wasn't a chip shot. If there was one that bothered me or concerned me from the A&M game, it was the 35-yarder because that's when you absolutely expect Will to be money. But I, I would suggest just giving Will Reichard – Will Reichard has earned a little more leash than maybe some fans are going to give him here in the next few days. So – uh, a big week coming up. I don't have to tell you that. I will say this, as big as Tennessee is and will be, and it could be a top five-ish matchup, again, based on what the polls tell us here in the next few days, Saturday night was a divisional win. Don't forget that. Don't discount divisional wins. I know, I know I'm as guilty of it as anybody else. I think about Alabama's season moving forward, and it's all about 
the biggest of pictures, right? The national championship. But you know what you got to do in all likelihood? Although Alabama hasn't had to do it a couple of times in the past. Typically, though, you have to get to Atlanta first. And you get to Atlanta primarily with divisional wins. And so, whereas the game coming up with Tennessee will be hyped to astronomical levels, in terms of importance, where getting to Atlanta is concerned, A&M is the bigger of the two games. And you still got some big Western Division games coming up, as we saw in the in the SEC play on Saturday. Mississippi State looking really good right now. I still contend that Mississippi State uh, does not match up well, having seen Mississippi State play really good football the last two weeks. Mississippi State still does not match up well with Alabama at all. So if Bryce Young is healthy especially, I don't see Mississippi State in a couple weeks uh, being like Texas A&M was on Saturday night by any means. It may not be 49 to 9 or 41 to nothing or whatever it's been the last 2 years. Uh but that's a game Alabama I can envision still winning fairly decisively at least at home. So, you know, Tennessee's a huge game. I'm not trying to to downplay that either. I know what Tennessee means to so many Alabama folks in some corners and a lot of corners. It's the bigger game when you talk about Alabama rivals like Tennessee and in Auburn. Uh, but as far as checking boxes and getting to where this football team wants to go, these divisional games, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Ole Miss coming up in November. That one looks bigger and bigger with every week, doesn't it? Those are the games that are going to determine this team's viability where the SEC championship is concerned. Well, we're going to hear from Nick Saban again on Monday, and I know we're all going to be on Bryce Young watch, but there are also other injuries to consider, like Jalen Moody. And I thought, by the way, I thought Deontay Lawson was solid. I thought Deontay Lawson at times in his first start was like Jalen Milrow making his first start on the other side of the ball. It just seemed like maybe Deontay was feeling it a little bit more than he had when he was more of a rotational option. Um, And so it took him a little while to settle in. Uh, Absolutely, you'd love to have Moody back in there just because it gives you three really good inside linebackers that you can count on. Uh, through the course of a game and through a a stretch that you're in right now where it's possible at any time to lose one of those three. And we talk about rotations. Tyler Booker continued on in his at the offensive guard position. Uh, I thought he was really good once again. Seth McLaughlin making that start at center uh, was tremendous at times. I thought of the units on this Alabama team in terms of consistency especially on the offensive side of the ball. There's no doubt to me the Alabama unit of the game was that offensive line and the work that it did in opening some some lanes for Jameer Gibbs and affording him the opportunity to surpass 150 yards on the ground once again in the win. So good stuff from the Alabama offensive line, I thought also in pass protection. 
A lot of those issues you saw a year ago against the likes of Texas A&M when they were bringing safeties and linebackers and you know five, six-man pressures and guys were getting free runs at Bryce last season. You didn't see that as much. Um, yes, Jalen was sacked four times in the game. From my viewpoint, the protection was better than that number might suggest. I thought the protection a lot of times afforded Jalen the opportunity not to be sacked, but unfortunately that was still the case. So another good job by the Alabama offensive line, starting with those tackles, moving inside to the three guys, that four guys that they feel really good about, even Darian Dahlcourt, if you stay with him at this point at the center position. And I thought Kendall Randolph too, give him some credit. I he had one of those explosive runs for Jameer there where I believe it was the third quarter. Kendall got a really nice down block on the edge at the tight end position. And then you had McLaughlin, who is exceptional at pulling, coming around to lead the way for Gibbs. That was some pretty, pretty stuff there in the second half. Not so pretty early a.m. on a Sunday, but I hope you – have enjoyed the podcast nonetheless. And again, we're going to have continuing coverage. You saw Alabama on the commitment front, a 2025 of note. That news is waiting for you right now at BamaOnline.com. Our site publisher, Tim Watts, recruiting analyst, Hank South. An absolutely monster recruiting weekend in Tuscaloosa. Not just in terms of finishing up this 2023 class, but and 2024, and again, a commitment from a very, very notable 2025 prospect here over the weekend. So we're going to have all that for you. Uh, You know, of course, Charlie Potter is going to have a ton of team coverage for us uh, over the next couple of days and into Tennessee week. Kirk McNair, much the same. Myself, we're going to have you covered front to back, up and down, all around there at BamaOnline.com. Once again, we thank you for joining us here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, we certainly hope you will do so. And while you're there, if you'd leave us a rating and a review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Travis Ryer, thanks again. And until next time, so long, everybody. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+.